0: Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show is Bobby Ahern, who wears many hats. He's the main man behind No Monster Club, who have, let's say, a dozen or so albums in their discography over the past 15 years, there, thereabouts, I think 2006 might be when it started. They released a brilliant album produced by Gilliband's Daniel Fox called Deadbeat Effervescent last year. Bobby's got other projects too, but today we're focusing on his solo output as Sir Bobby Dukebox, who releases his second album in the organ loft at midnight this Friday, June 9th. In the Organ Loft at Midnight is the first ever album released as a set of collectible bubblegum cards. It was made between 2019 and 2022 across Brisbane and Dublin, while Bobby was kind of flitting between the two, living between the two, Australia and Ireland. He says it's a surreal pop adventure navigating themes of self-discovery, otherness, ageing, geographic dislocation and plenty of pleasant things too. It was produced by Sir Bobby Dukebox, mixed by Brendan Jenkinson, who we're big fans of here on the show. He's worked with the likes of John Francis Flynn. who was also in Cloud Castle Lake as well. He's a collaborator with Villagers and Ifanesa Francis too. And the album was mastered by Aidan Foley. I think it sounds great. And it's one of my favourite Irish albums of the year. I've been listening to it a lot in the weaker two weeks going into the interview with bobby so i really got under there and we're going to get into the album on this podcast as well we're going to talk about the difference between sir bobby jukebox and no monster club and we're going to go through in the organ loft at midnight track by track with snippets of the songs throughout we're listening to one of the singles hire a heart right now and we'll hear nudity in full to close us out but before we get into the chat There is more you need to know about another one of the hats that Bobby wears. He's the mastermind behind the brilliant children's podcast on RTE, Nero's Class, which came out last year. It's got that wry, offbeat sense of humour that you'll find across his musical output, and it's got some of his tunes sprinkled in it too. We're going to start by chatting about Nero's Class, just so you know. In case you haven't listened to it, we'll listen to the trailer to give you a sense of what the series is about and really it's for kids but I think anybody will enjoy it I got a load of laughs out of it we'll get into the chat after we listen to the trailer for the podcast go to Sir Bobby sirbobbydukebox.bankcap.com to order in the organ loft at midnight and get your own collectible bubblegum cards album
1: ah I'm rum gloaty read it in wait no in With a population of just 100 islanders, it's impossible to imagine a more idyllic, unspoiled paradise. Covered in native woodland, surrounded by beautiful beaches, (laughs) and mysterious caves. Inhabited by over
0: 1,400 species of... Pardon me, good sir. My name's Professor Nero, and I'm the brand spanking new knowledge giver around these parts. Don't suppose you'd be able to direct me towards the school?
1: Listen, mister, I'm in the middle of something here.
0: I'm trying to record a voiceover for- You wouldn't also have a tell, Andy, would you? Oh, that's a, that's a very interesting looking device. Okay,
1: well, you can forget everything that I was just saying. Runglody was perfect until this guy
0: arrived. Do you mind if I have a quick word with the public?
1: Dude, I go easy with that.
0: Be careful, be careful! Enroll in Nero's class for a good all-round education. We're going to be sticking strictly to the curriculum. There'll be no shenanigans, not like in my last school. New episodes every Monday, which is also my favourite day of the week. So I see you're drinking out of a Nero's class cup. One of your many side projects. One of my many cups. Let's... (laughs) Are all of the cups in your house related to projects that you've done? <laughs>
1: they might be. Yeah. You've got an FM 104 one with a kangaroo on it. It's not the FM 104. It's a different one. Oh,
0: outside of Ireland. That's,
1: uh, that's not something that I uh, made myself.
0: <laughs> uh, tell me about Nero's Class. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was brilliant. And it seemed like it did really well as well. Did you have good feedback?
1: Yeah, so Nero's Class is a, a, an adventure podcast for youngsters, You know i also wanted other people to listen to it too so i'm glad that you enjoyed it (laughs) that's what (laughs) i wanted to hear yes the feedback was pretty good i think it's it's always hard to gauge when your audience is not on you know social media and stuff like that because they're not like tweeting check out this new. but i'd like to think i will say exclusive it's coming back for a second season
0: oh great class (laughs) uh is that kind of a nice thing for you to to see that it did kind of connect and that it reached an audience and that it has been renewed not yes. relief, I guess relief isn't the wrong word, but just kind of like uh satisfaction, maybe
1: yeah, no, it was a relief too, and um, no, and it's great, I'm really looking forward to working on the second season now, but um it is a weird one though, in that like you kind of like make it and put it out there, and you know you're not privy to the actual any conversation around it around, so it. there was moments where it's like is anyone you know is because i don't also don't have access to the figures because it was done by rte so i'm kind of like is anyone listening to this or uh is this thing on but then when you know rte say that it it, that it it did well and they want to do and do more of it and stuff that that was kind of like phew okay okay somebody actually listened to it and and they're verifying this for me (laughs)
0: yeah uh where did the idea come from and how long were you working on on it and you weren't expecting a Nero's class like no, <laughs> no,
1: I didn't uh, swat up on the Nero's class element of things and I was working on it though I think I put in the submission for it in like 2020 and then um, spent the majority of 2022 writing, producing and, and and editing it and doing all the music for it so it took like the guts of a year actually from start to finish I just, yeah, I wanted to do something like that for for a long time. I would have, you know, wanted to do like an animated series or something like that for forever. And I guess that was, it made sense for me to do that, having, you know, background in audio and music and stuff like that, to use that as my little playground. And if anything else comes of it, well, then great. But um, yeah, it made sense, I guess, rather than, I can't draw, so it made sense for Mm -hmm. me to um, do it as an audio thing rather than an animation.
0: Yeah, did it start off as an album before you thought, oh, maybe this is a podcast, maybe this is something like that, or was it always? Did you always have a clear? No, yeah, it of was.
1: Always, it was always what it is. Yeah, just to, like kind of like a almost like a sitcom ish element. And I mean, it's it's about a teacher who gets, as you all know, I'm just gonna in case there's anyone listening who doesn't know what it is. Uh, it's about a teacher, a real like dweeb from the mainland, um, who gets sent over to this bizarre island called Monglody where. You know, it's um, a very, like, mythical island where weird stuff happens, and there's only three kids on the island who've never been to school before, and they have to be taught by this teacher. So it's kind of like this fish-out-of-water thing. You know, a lot of the a lot of my favorite things are, like, that... The movie Local Hero, where, like... I'm saying that because I just saw it in the cinema last week, but, like, an American oil dude goes over to a little village in Scotland and has to try and buy up the village and stuff like that. That... I've always liked... There's a bunch of movies like that, and then there's a bunch of movies where a teacher goes to a community and it's like they're always like really condescending a lot of them were in the 70s where a teacher goes over to community and the community is like undereducated and the teacher like you know teaches them about like where he's from and about you know you know culture and stuff that they don't know and it always ends with like oh thank you teacher for coming over here and teaching us all these things whereas nearest class is like the opposite of that the teacher goes over and he's trying to press his stuff on the kids and they're just like they're just like taking the piss out of him the whole time, and and I liked going at it from that angle too. Of it's not like oh this savior is coming over to teach us you know country bumpkins how the real world works. It's like no, he's the he's the idiot. Yeah, yeah. I like that.
0: Um, <laughs> and what about like the creative process for the podcast and making music? Can you see similarities, or was it completely different for you? And I guess was that a nice thing as well to kind of change up how you work, maybe?
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, there was a lot more pre you know preparation involved because i would usually just press record and see what comes out and then try to arrange things like that but with that obviously there was a lot of preparation you know filling application forms and looking for you know getting the funding and trying to tick all the different boxes when it comes to different things that uh, that they look for and then obviously months and months writing the script so it was a very different process to just coming up with an idea at 11 p.m and pressing record but then there's like there's also a bunch of music in in Nero's class like i'd say there's probably like 50 to 60 maybe like little like bits and pieces of music that range from you know 5 seconds to two or three minutes like to to songs and stuff so that was taking up most of my creative juices then for the for the last couple of years yeah
0: that's funny you say that because you did release two no monster club (laughs) albums last year and you've got the sir bobby dukebox album out now there
1: was only one No Monster Club album last year i thought you did a covers album
0: oh (laughs) come on man
1: yeah damn you got me yeah they came was, out quite close together there was an album of originals originals like we're a pub band called deadbeat effervescent yeah and then and there was a covers album you got me and that was more of a compilation <laughs> but yes no yeah there was a couple of there was a couple of new new covers on that too jesus yeah i lost track
0: <laughs> so what's the story with no monster club still very much a going concern
1: yeah it'll just kind of shift uh, i think between them that's why you know, sir bobby jukebox is stuff i do on my own and no monster club will be stuff i do with with others but you know when you hit an age when other people aren't you know necessarily kicking about all the time and uh. they have responsibilities and stuff like that which is yes fair enough but no it's just it's just like two different outlets now rather than but yeah like it's we'll see when we next get a chance to like get together as a group or whatever but that was why i kind of put the changed the name of what i because for a while like No Monster Club was a solo project and then it was a band and then I was still releasing every second album was like a solo album and then every second album was a band album and I just decided probably best just to draw a line in the sand as to to differentiate which is which. Um, so now it is whenever there are other people involved but yeah that can be tricky.
0: But with No Monster Club is it still you bringing the songs to them and then like the music happens or is it very much a collaborative thing?
1: Yeah, for well, the last album last year was uh, one where me and own Tim Falcon Prime went down to Ballybunion for uh, a week and workshopped a bunch of kind of ideas I'd been kicking about and recorded all the drum and bass parts. And then um, Mark Chester recorded guitar over it. And then we got in some, like, brass and strings and stuff like that. But yeah, it they kind of, like, stemmed from my little phone demos. Um, But that was a lot more collaborative than, I'd say, any no monster club album in, in a good few years because Owen was there for the
0: for the process did you get it all done in the week
1: no no well the guitar and or the bass and drums yes but then the day that we finished recording the drums and bass we did our last take and we went into the pub in Ballybunion for a, a guinness and uh, to, to celebrate our work and that was when the first COVID case was announced So our plan for that album was actually that for Deadbeat Effervescent, what we wanted to do was we wanted to start playing gigs as a three-piece. So we wanted to record this album that was really more stripped back than the previous ones, which was just bass, drums, and guitar, so that when we played those songs live, they wouldn't sound sparse compared to the record. But then when the, the first COVID case happened and then lockdown happened, and I realized that we weren't going to be playing anytime soon live, and I was kind of sitting there with these tracks on my laptop and that's when i started doing my usual thing of going <laughs> overboard and adding on all these overdubs so what was supposed to be like a really just uh, you know a power pop trio turned into right now i'm hiring this um yeah brass player and uh, all this kind of stuff as usual
0: <laughs> did you enjoy the uh decamping to carry for a week just like with the aim of coming up with a new album. Yeah,
1: it was great. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And I don't think we'd ever really done that before. We had recorded an album in outside of um, Newbridge with, with uh, Poggy Dylan. That album was called Dublin a few years ago, but we haven't done that really ever. So it was really good. And I'd just been in Australia for a while, so I hadn't kind of, yeah, me and Owen hadn't like played music in a while. And um, yeah, it was just good to hang and not having anything to break up the week and it's just literally like wake up in the morning and jam and record and stuff for the day and, and do it all again the next
0: day have you done that yourself like gone away just with the express aim of making music or coming up with ideas
1: no and i that's maybe i should do that too that that has occurred to me um, that i should do that too because obviously there's just so many distractions and you're uh, you're sitting in my living room where there's a, a one cat wandering in and out of the house but and that cat has friends on the street and those friends are often coming into the house and there's other like random cats from other streets that come along when they're in heat and they're unneutered and stuff oh. and i spend a lot of my day like r- like wrangling cats <laughs> and sometimes i am like jesus i really need a fucking like i need a space i need an, like office we don't have um ever since the pop-in closed down in twenty. 20- 16 or something, I haven't had, like, a permanent uh, studio space with, like, amp set up and thing, drum kits around like that, so, so yes, my God, I would love that, and I probably need to look into that.
0: <laughs> so we're here talking about Sir Bobby Jukebox, your solo project, which you say kind of started as you came up with the demarcation line between the band and the other work that you were doing. Were you in Australia? When, yes. When lockdown happened or something, or around? No, I got
1: home just before lockdown. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Did
0: did you come up with the idea in Australia or is it all here?
1: Yeah, I think I did. I think I released the first Sir Bobby Jukebox album when I was living in Australia. Um, And part of that too was, was I planning on doing solo shows? I don't know. Maybe I did. The one thing that kept happening too over the years was sometimes I played solo shows as No Monster Club because sometimes No Monster Club was a solo project. But like a couple of times you could sense the disappointment of people being like, wait, it's No Monster Club and it's just one guy? Like...
0: (laughs) Musically or idea-wise, is it much different from No monster Club, or is it just the fact that it is just you working by yourself?
1: That is an interesting question. I don't know, that's something probably it's not a question for me or for the world at large. It sounds to me very different. Uh not very different. It's <laughs> still me singing and the melodies are still like from the same uh well. But no, I think in terms of sound it is quite different and to be honest if anything Sir Bobby Jukebox probably sounds like in some elements bigger than the Monster Club too because there is a lot more as I say like w- when I record stuff I tend to get um go overboard tinkering around and adding do- overdubs and stuff like that so with the Sir Bobby Jukebox album there's a lot of layers and I guess if I was to try and replicate that album live I would probably need more people than I would to replicate in the Monster Club thing so yeah kicking myself in the foot here
0: have you played live at all like with no Mancer club or as sir bobby dukebox at all lately no it was the last gig pre-lockdown yeah wow so
1: i think i played in australia uh i have a memory of of playing in in brisbane and uh i think i played in melbourne and i don't know when that was but it might have been yeah <laughs> sounds um, like it was a dream or <laughs> I know. and you were there and uh yeah pumpkin was there and she was wearing shoes but the last No Monster Club gig as a band was Electric Picnic just before I moved away, which was Electric Picnic 2018. And we played on the Trailer Park stage. And that was good fun. That was the last band
0: concert. Do you miss playing live?
1: Uh, no. Oh. No. No? Why? No. I don't just know.
0: Just like under the, the stress of leading up to the gigs and stuff, maybe? Yeah. it's the selling tickets. There's and... a lot of admin. Yeah.
1: And I... um. I just yeah it's like obviously when you're in your I'm really old now so but when you're in your 20s <laughs> really <old>. and it's <laughs> when you're in your 20s it's kind of like when we've got the place to rehearse and all it was always like great fun but I, yeah I did just find you know when when we didn't have the pop-in anymore or any rehearsal space and part of that's you know land issues and housing crisis and all that kind of stuff there's not a lot of uh, artist space and things like that yeah so it ended up being a thing that when you were offered a gig it was like right so now i have to get four grown-ups who all have responsibilities and, and jobs and things like that i need to find their availability for say three evenings leading up to the gig and then i need to make sure that they're available on the day of the gig and if it's you know then the country also the next day because we're getting home and we need to organize transport you need to book uh, the rehearsal rooms and the rehearsal rooms cost you know 60 70 quid a session and then you're like wait how much are we getting paid for this gig yeah oh okay we're losing money before we've even played but no um it's always good fun to play a gig. and then you and then you gotta if you're doing your own gig you design the poster and you feckin your email and all the websites to put it up and it's just a lot and then if it goes well it's it's all worth it then it's great fun but
0: yeah so you'd be happy like not playing a gig again uh, again yeah i'd I'm like sure you will at some point
1: I probably will. I feel like, I feel like there's not like, there's not enough um, pressure on me to do so. Mm. There's been a couple of people who have said like, oh, when are you playing? And even a couple of, uh, uh, you know, bandmates saying, when are we going to play again? <laughs> um, but I feel like until there's a petition with a few <laughs> thousand signatures few thousand. You know, and or, you know, like if there was a gig, like a gig or a tour that we were kind of offered that was like, oh, we have to do this. But if it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm necessarily going to wake up on tomorrow morning and be like, right, I'm going to spend the day emailing every venue in Ireland, uh, getting one reply back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, pretty dispiriting. Um, Tell me about how you're releasing the album. You've handed me a copy of the album. It's as a set of collectible bubblegum cards.
1: Yes. I didn't know what way to release it. The Nomenstacle album last year, we did that on a 12-inch vinyl record there's still a few left and they take up space <laughs>
0: <laughs> these take up considerably less space say? it's about like what is it like four inches by two inches or yeah, something like that that was
1: part of it too it's maybe this, maybe this is the smallest album ever i don't know and one handy thing with that is that you can pop it into an envelope and post it anywhere in the world for the price of a stamp so one big thing i think for me as a music buyer is the amount of times that i've gone onto the band camp to like buy something and it's, you know, 20 euro. And it's like, that's fine. And then it's 25 <laughs> euro postage. Like, oh, yeah. my God, I'm not buying this anymore. And like, I feel bad because then it's like, you know, you want to like, I want these things in my music collection. And, you know, I want to obviously fund and support bands and, and people that I like. But um, it can be. Yeah. So that's one thing. It's cheap to send. And yeah, so it's a set of 19 cards. Uh, which includes a download code. But then the album is not going to be released on um, streaming platforms oh, okay. um, for the foreseeable future at least. So the only way to get the album is to get the cards. Oh. And I feel like that's, I also like to introduce that, 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 that there's an element of, you know, I like the idea of people like listening to the record while, you know, the the, the cards have a bunch of uh, silly pictures on them, but also all the lyrics and things like that. So it's like some sort of physical thingy to go with it
0: you still like the tangible aspect of music
1: yeah i think so well no i do but yeah the the cards are it's like the pictures on it are drawings that i um unearthed that i drew myself when i was about nine or ten and so my mom was moving house and i had to pack up all my like childhood stuff and i I stumbled across all these weird little drawings which they're not good you know they're very uh they're lo-fi drawings (laughs) i could never draw but weirdly, I think that they're they're still better than if I was to try and draw something now. You know, and back then I was under no uh, illusion that I could draw. I knew that they were very scrappy little pictures I was drawing to illustrate like little stories and stuff like that, which is what they are. But I kind of like the idea of plucking them from those um, notebooks and turning this album into kind of a collaboration between myself now and myself then in that oh. it's like. You know, not not shining a spotlight on this terrible art from back then, but just sort of like it. It did when I saw them. It felt like I was like looking through drawings that other, someone else had done, um because they weren't really familiar to me at all. But I definitely did do. I, they're they're my copyright. <laughs>
0: so yes. Wow, I like that A collaboration with yourself from like twenty or twenty five years ago or something. Yeah,
1: I don't. I wonder how uh, how he would feel.
0: <laughs> how dare you take my pictures? Yeah your it, stupid li- put your stupid lyrics on the back of it the- <laughs> is that where the title kind of comes from in the organ loft at midnight that you're going through like your attic or something like that and finding these pictures or Ooh, where does the album
1: no that's good yeah. oh my god you can have that if you want uh okay delete that bit yes that's where the album came <laughs> damn no that the album title came before that it's from a movie called the ghost and mr chicken which is like a 70s don nuts comedy the people from the andy griffith show made this movie and it's not particularly good but it's about a uh ghost who haunts the organ loft every at midnight every night he um they hear the organ playing like a like a player piano kind of thing and and they go to investigate it and blah 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 blah, blah. but i don't know i i think i like the way the the words roll off your tongue and the idea that it sounds like it's um a live show or something like sir bobby jukebox in the organ loft at midnight but also like a, maybe like an old um, in, like adventure book, like The Tree Investigators kind of, um, don't say Harry Potter, like one of those old books.
0: Uh, the first song is only 18 seconds long. And sometimes I've asked this of other artists, you know, like, do you see like a really short song is almost throwaway. But like, what do you see the opening piece as? Do you see it as kind of setting the scene?
1: Sir Bobby Jukebox in the organ loft at midnight Sir Bobby Jukebox in the organ loft It's just a theme tune yeah it's just the lyrics of the uh, the lyrics are just the album title and I don't know how it's taken me this long to put a theme tune on uh, an album but now I feel like maybe every album's gonna have a theme tune <laughs> <laughs> this is the effect of neuro exactly it yes because I was because yeah I think I was in the midst of recording a lot of like very short songs and, and jingles and things like that and that is probably where it came from
0: do you have the overall idea of the album in your head as well um, when you're starting out or do you see it kind of as maybe a random collection of so- a collection of songs rather than like an overall piece um,
1: this one was way more, I think, cohesive in my head to some previous ones. Like, say that the no Monster Club one that we record, like we came up with the, the you know, the bits over a week. That obviously, you know, comes together as a chunk. But the first Sir Bobby Jukebox album was a collection of songs that had originally been released as two track singles, and and this was kind of this brought them together. Whereas this album was far more like, yeah, I had an idea in my head. Kind of like more of an atmosphere than anything and that's where the the album title as well kind of conjures up some sort of weird kind of almost like gothic imagery of you know this uh weird sir bobby jukebox being the kind of like dr frankenstein kind of guy up in like i don't know so i had an idea in my head of what the songs should sound like and what the what the vibe should be mm
0: yeah we'll go through a track by track anyway so we've covered the first song the second song is called don't say goodbye and we'll talk about maybe your influences it sounds like film is quite a big influence i mean you mentioned uh that film from the 70s like oh, yes, the name the of the ghost and Mr. Chicken. yeah i mean like is is that what you're thinking of almost more than other musical touchstones or like since you've made so many albums do you even think about other bands as influences um like Vampire oh, Weekend yeah. is one band that I kind of think of when I when I think of oh. this kind of like I don't know okay. maybe I've just been listening to a lot of Vampire yeah, Weekend yeah. and hearing it in a lot of other bands. Well no I lately, always but... I always liked Vampire Weekend
1: so I would not be surprised to hear that. And I think that's something that definitely like when I first started recording song like my own songs in maybe 2006 or something like that every i think the file name for like when you started recording the file name was always like apples.wav or something like that and or audacity file or whatever and it's because it'd be like this is my version of an apples in stereo song or like i remember like there'd be a like my here's my wolf parade song or here's my and i think after a year or two of recording i don't know if it was like a specific moment that i remember but you realize oh i'm not doing that anymore these are like you know these are no longer just like kind of not even prestigious because it's like more like you come up with a melody and then you're like oh that kind of reminds me of the apples in stereo and then you're recording it and you're kind of like trying to make it sound like that or whatever but the yeah the great thing is i I guess i haven't done that in like 15 years not that i'm like the most original guy in the world (laughs) but when you don't do that anymore there is an element that like oh you're you're kind of making your own like you know i come up with this and uh doesn't necessarily sound like a bunch of other stuff but um but don't say goodbye that does oh that does have a little like it's like a string solo in the middle of it which is probably very abrupt and and strange
0: Department of Defense is the third track You saying Jacqueline this is where I should be looking at the cards just to get the lyrics right because I'm missing I'm missing a word in here I couldn't quite get it oh, you for say God's
1: sake I thought I was enunciating better these days you say <laughs> oh, uh,
0: Jekyll and Hyde should break up they were a nuisance all the time nursery rhymes and something make up the movie of my life
1: Nursery rhymes and
0: Bedbooks Bedbooks I was thinking that was it But I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure Make up the movie of my life Why am I in Digging a hole in the windshot room There is a kind of a nursery rhyme feel to your music as well. Is that an influence too? Like there's kind of a, just the, the jingle of, of some of the songs.
1: Yeah, well, I think my, like when I'm listening to music and um, it's become that like my go-to music, and the genres that I really listen to are bubblegum pop from the 60s and 70s and that sunshine pop and those kind of like one hit wonders and stuff like that. And they often... I think the reason they appeal—not uh, that I'm um, basing my songs off them—but the reason that they appeal to me is because it, like, that's the kind of stuff that I'm into.
0: Kind of the simple melody. Yeah,
1: almost. yeah, and that really, like, bubblegum pop, being like at the time was, you know, and, and since has been kind of maligned as like throwaway pop and all that kind of stuff, but like it does run a lot deeper, and um, and just because it sold like 10 million copies in a week and stuff like that, that. Yeah, and people were like, "Oh, it's just for you know, twelve-year-old girls and all that kind of stuff." And I think there was a whole element of that. But that kind of music is what really um, appeals to me, and probably because it, uh, yeah, it strikes a chord, which I also, um, which is my songwriting chord.
0: You also talk about throwing your nemesis uh, over walls to die. Do you want to get, <laughs> get any um, <laughs> any riffs off your off your chest or anything like that? Who are your enemies oh, that you want to get even with?
1: This is going back. No. Yeah, no, I've um, I've had enough beefs over the years. I've had enough beef songs. And, and sure enough, there's another one there. Digging a hole, building a wall. And no, it may or may not be... Um, these songs aren't
0: always uh,
1: me, <laughs> let's just say.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll talk about that later. Um, tropical Bird Lingo, great name, great title. Really happy, upbeat song. I always think that like musicians probably find it easier to write sad songs and sad love songs but you seem to really enjoy writing happy kind of songs is that how you how you see the tracks i guess it's kind of related yeah. to that bubblegum pop sound as well it yeah just feels jauntier maybe i do
1: i always see this in uh whenever people talk about my music in like reviews and stuff like that they always say and there's there's a review for this album that says like there's no sad songs or something like that. But I beg to differ. No, yeah. um yeah, it it's, gets deeper, like interesting it does get deeper. the songs are definitely upbeat and the melodies are upbeat, but I think so with this album, uh I came up with the melodies um and wrote most of the and wrote and recorded most of the you know, the the, the bass tracks while living in Brisbane in Australia, which is like a subtropical like very beautiful very well-run city that's just a pleasure to live in and then that was like the ins- the instrumentals and stuff and then i wrote the lyrics having moved back to dublin and then like and then covid happened and blah 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 not that the lyrics are like super depressing and stuff like that either but there definitely is some sort of mismatch between where i was coming up with the songs and where i was uh, and filling in the lyrics
0: yeah i mean That's one that I've written down for You Lit a Candle Wrong, the fifth track on the album. Uh, You say you lit a candle wrong and now 200 are dead, which is quite the opening line. It's pretty, uh, (laughs) pretty stark. And then you kind of get into We've all been there. (laughs) And then you um, get into one of the themes of the album, I think, which is about getting older and maybe thinking about aging. Perhaps you say uh, you only know you're older when you're dreaming. This is why all your friends are leaving town i mean was that something that you became aware of that kind of that that was one of the themes that you were kind of addressing the, the yeah slightly getting older maybe considering things a little bit differently like not even be, being able to uh wrangle the bandmates together because they're all like working <laughs> jobs and everything
1: yeah no just yeah just the maybe overall feeling of being a bit more like not rickety but just some things that like you know, didn't necessarily uh, happen a few years ago. And a couple of like, couple of little health things that kind of just remind you that, um, yeah, your <laughs> your body is, uh, is showing some signs of decay.
0: It's even when you're getting up off the couch and you find yourself <laughs> just going, oh, <"Ugh."> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. To put it mildly, yes. Emigration as well. I mean, like you move, you moved to Australia for a couple of years. Were you there earlier this year as well?
1: Yeah. and. Um, yeah, that's a that's a thing. It's just my um my significant other is Australian and uh-huh. we have had um, you know, seven years of visa, like our lives been entirely revolving around visas and, and um wherever we have lived for the past seven years has literally just been wherever we have been legally allowed to live. So yeah, that's why the kind of musical chairs happened when COVID happened and that's why we're
0: we're now here. Could you see yourself living in Australia? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. It's a bit sunnier and warmer. And <laughs> yeah. Nicer.
1: Yeah. That's kind of something that's that I've I've always found um a lot of the bureaucratic red tape and stuff around immigration and things like that to be completely absurd, but like when you're um, dealing with it directly, it's like, "Oh my god, this is just ridiculous." And, you know, it's a whole other thing if you're talking about you know ireland and australia as opposed to countries that are actually you know that you need to get out of or whatever but mm-hmm. um it's it's not good
0: where in australia were you brisbane Was it nice? brisbane
1: queensland yeah so nice Um, yeah that's the thing it's just it's just lovely you know you can make plans and not worry about cancelling them having to cancel them because of the weather um, <laughs> yeah. but there's, there's just an, something about it and it's weird like obviously um dublin city council and um, what's your man's name own something the, oh, keegan the you know, chief executive they obviously hate dublin but no, when you live in somewhere like brisbane like i don't know with the, the city council it's almost like they care about the people that live there and they're <laughs> like like every week you get like a leaflet in your door being like here's what's going on this week there's a you know there's a brass band playing in the park and then on monday we're opening up this new outdoor swimming pool and it's freeing and then uh you know it's just like a, just all this stuff and it's like. Mm. That's very good of you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Do you think this is a new feeling though that you've felt? I mean like you talked about releasing an album called Dublin. Is it living in Australia maybe coming back? You see it as maybe a kind of a more colder city, Dublin? Um maybe not for No, cuz that months. was
1: just uh, no, that was just happening over, you know. That's that been was, you've
0: you've noticed yeah. that happening when you were here as well. Yeah, it wasn't even
1: like the the, you know, boiling frog metaphor. It was like, "Oh, this is this stuff's really going badly." You know, with all that the housing stuff has happened in slow motion but it's like the only people that realized that there wasn't a housing crisis are the people who were supposed to be sorting it out like you know we've we've all been talking about this for yeah. since we were 2013 about it. like you know yeah,
0: we were talking about it for 10 minutes before we even press record yeah you were just telling rental stories
1: yeah and so yeah we we're all aware of that and any ordinary schmo on the street would have been able to be like okay something needs to be done to plan ahead and it wasn't obviously, but then all the the stuff with, you know, we've we've all seen it with, oh, you know, all like the pop in and Block T and um, all those spaces like Hello Operator and uh, what was the name of the, the joinery and
0: mm. tell me more about the the pop in because I'm pretty sure that the last time that I talked to you was on, in the pop on in. the podcast it was in the pop yeah, in which yeah. was the Popical Island kind of studio space rehearsal space meet up space as well where I'm presuming you came up with. You know 90 percent of the ideas that all of you guys had it sounds like that's a real thing that's absent maybe for you for ye
1: yeah that's what you know we recorded we had a green screen in there and we recorded we were doing our videos there and we recorded the songs obviously we played a few shows and did a couple of things like that in there and then it was mainly a rehearsal space um, but you know it was about 10 minutes away from where i lived at the time so I could go over pretty much any night from like ten or eleven and it would be empty and I wouldn't be in there for like until like four AM recording and stuff like that. Um, which is something I can't do as readily in an unsoundproofed um (laughs) little little house. But yeah, for me personally it's it's there's a major hole there because we so the the lease ended. We knew the lease was gonna end, but we kinda thought that maybe it would be extended or whatever, but um it wasn't and the building was sold and you know, for years, it was always possible to get another rehearsal room. There was always like some random shed or building or something that you could rent out. But there was just uh, nothing popping up. And now there's like there's maybe two or three rehearsal rooms in the city of Dublin and, and you to, you know, pay for them per session or per hour. It's not the same as having your stuff kind of permanently set up and knowing that you can pop in at any point. but uh, not intended. And. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for Popical Island as a whole as well, I guess we haven't been that that kind of name was almost retired um, around that same time. But I think I think we're going to start using it again. This album oh, okay. is yeah is yeah I did I Popical did spot Island that, yeah yeah
0: like Otramond or yeah. Atramond?
1: their new album is going to be a Popical Island release.
0: Great. So Podrick from Atramond is one of the main guys behind Popical Island. Yeah,
1: Podrick Cooney is in is the main. Uh, um, player there and then that's him and paddy Hanna, mark chester and owen o'brien who play in the monster club as well but then i think soft on crime which is uh pork o'reilly um who was in tyranny sore and yet yeah Deadlies, i think he's got this band with a couple of guys from like um the Dyna Brand and stuff and um soft on crime they're really good and i think they're going to be doing stuff as popical in future maybe
0: that's good. Popcorn will never die.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's But it's like they're all new acts from the same people that were involved or some of the same people because not all are still making music and stuff like that. But um, yeah, and Mike Stevens, who is now recording, is M. Stevens and the Guests. I'm not sure if that's Popcorn, but I think it might be. But yeah, so luckily uh we're all still kicking
0: that's great that's great uh one final question about you lit a candle wrong you speak some french on the song which is very impressive are you sp- a french speaker or was it very specifically <laughs> you learned to say these couple of sentences really really well so that you could sing them
1: well i'm glad i fooled you um i think yeah i don't know it just seemed to fit i don't know what it was with the cadence or something like that that the uh, um i'm not sure why um when it just came happened to, you surprised yourself. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know what it was. There was a French word. And then because the previous song, Tropical Bird Lingo, the chorus has the word au in it as well, which is <laughs> um, just something about the sound of the word. And then for the French chorus, I think I had a song in French with when I released as Dublin Duck Dispensary, you know, 15, 16 years ago. And it was, I'd say, really bad. So maybe um, put them side by side. Maybe I was trying to... Um, you know, redeem myself with with the French speaking (laughs) public who still don't love me as much as Muse. One day
0: Uh, totally out of sync. You say I'm under attack in South Queensland, which is, I'm presuming, a reference to Australia.
1: Yeah, and um, that's that's where Brisbane is in South Queensland. Yeah, I wasn't physically uh, under attack at any point. Well, no, actually, <laughs> I wasn't mentally <laughs> under attack at any point because it was quite nice. But there's um, they've got a serious bird problem over there with the too uh, many birds. Like <laughs> no. Um, what are the type of I don't know what this during like nesting season like it's a serious problem and and they, they swoop magpies swooping magpies oh. and like cyclists have to put cable ties on their helmets and even like some like you see some like school children and stuff wearing like cable ties in their hats and stuff to, to, to I'm I'm not making this up I've never heard about this You're looking at me like so I'm just imagining um, you with cable ties coming no, over your head I didn't wear them but I was tempted to but like it's, there's a lot of tree lined streets in Brisbane, and I was basically always afraid of my life because, like, they come, like if, if they get you, they come, basically, they see someone walking down the street and whatever, they think that you're going to rob their babies or something like that. Um, and they the actually idiots, attack you? Yeah, and they like swoop down and they like claw at you, and oh. there's like people who like chunks of hair missing and, you know, s- scratches down their face and stuff like that. So I don't know why over there, obviously, people are always afraid of, like, the massive spiders and the snakes and stuff like that. Saw a couple of spiders, wasn't bothered by the snakes, or didn't see any snakes, so I wasn't bothered by them. I would have been very bothered by them if I saw one. You know, there's gigantic lizards roaming around the place, but they are they seem pretty chill. But it was, the of all the animals, it was the magpies that I was really, really afraid of.
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fortitude Valley is the seventh song. The line I've picked out is just, I hope you're okay would you sing at one point which uh i know it's another nice sentiment and another nice part of the song but it's another song about aging by the sounds of it is it can you remember
1: well fortitude valley is the name of an area in in brisbane where um i specifically remember coming up with the, the melody in the song and i thought it was only fair to name it after it fortitude valley is like i think it's very cool it's basically it's their temple bar it's like where all the nightlife <laughs> is but it's a much cooler name it's where, like, because, like, Brisbane was, you know, it was this. It was the Scots, I think, who did the dirty over there. And it was, like, a Scottish ship called uh, the, the Fortitude that landed there. And all the people from the Fortitude set up camp there and kicked off, you know, the natives or whatever, of course. So Fortitude Valley was, uh, I was handing out, um, one morning I was handing out flyers for a uh, coffee ordering app. And I uh, remember that song popped into my head. That was one of my, one of my. Nixers over there
0: and what do you do it, when when something pops into your head are you just making a note on your phone or something like yeah, that? yeah voice or? voice notes so yeah
1: yeah i hope i for that reason i never lose my phone or anything not so that i'll have lost all this gold but so nobody um, can hear the 600 like uh 10 second long humming um
0: things what, what do you do with all of them when like your phone reaches capacity when it says you know this can't be saved because you don't have enough memory is it just delete all or are you just oh kind of god like, no no they get backed
1: up yeah uh, and that's the, that's one thing that's kind of like i know that i will never
0: run out of ideas
1: well yeah but it's more daunting than that is that i'll never like catch up with myself like like no matter if i was to you know i don't know like i'll never be like okay great i can now sit down and write a new album from scratch because i have used all of my previous ideas and it's kind of terrifying yeah it's just like ever-growing pile of admin on my desk yeah except it's it's little chirpy little melodies
0: Leaving time, going the next track that we're going to talk about from the Sabrabi Jukebox album is Leaving Island Time. And I was wondering is this a reference to Neuro's class and going to the album? Did you have like music left over from the podcast that you were kind of working away on and fit on this album or anything like that?
1: No, and actually, but this album was entirely complete before. I was doing any music for Nero's Class. Oh, okay. Actually, this, so this, the reason this album is only coming out now as opposed to this time last year was because Nero's Class was my priority last year. But I, I think, I think I got the masters for this album back around this time last year. So yeah, it was, it actually predates all the Nero's Class music. So leaving out on time, no, but, but I like this connection. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously, I'm finding all the connections. That's obviously of there. a thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were, um, flew from, brisbane to kalamazoo in michigan for a friend's wedding and um the flight went via hawaii so we stopped off in hawaii for a couple days amazing and um that was that song, and elements of hawaii
0: yeah wow what's Hawaii like
1: it's sadly like just very american i mean we were staying in waikiki but we did travel around the island a bit but like it's and that's one of the, the things kind of too that was on my mind is it's so weird in that it's like it's in the middle of the Pacific. It, by all rights, should be. You know, when you go there, you should feel like you're in a very different place to, to 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 what you're used to. But sadly, the you know the Brits and the Yanks have had their thumbs in Hawaii for so long that it's 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 become it is a state. And not only is it an American state, but it has like Union Jack in the corner of its Ooh. flag. And uh, this is one image that stuck with me. Was that there's a McDonald? We were, went to the. Oh, i think the honolulu museum and a few doors down there's a mcdonald's and outside the mcdonald's they're flying three flags it's uh the hawaii flag which has a union jack in it the american um, stars and stripes flag and then a mcdonald's flag i was like it's a McDonald's, flag. the mcdonald's flag the <laughs> three flags i'm like wow we're in this like you know insanely beautiful oh. island group whatever there's a hundred islands in hawaii and you know they've for forever they had their own and they still do, obviously, their own, like, culture. And they had their, you know, the the Yanks overthrew their monarchy and then took over and all that kind of stuff in, you know, 100 or 200 years ago. And, yeah, it's kind of something sad about that, too. Like, why is this place so familiar? Like, why is there McDonald's? And why is there those specific flags outside? As if, like, and it's just, yeah, it's weird. Burger f- King must be stewing. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> they they yeah. want their own flag. I feel the same way about Australia, though, obviously, because it's like you, you cannot travel any further if you fly from dublin you cannot travel any further and on the way to australia you fly over obviously so many cultures and civilizations and you know you don't go you're not too far off like literally like islands that have uncontacted tribes like in the indian ocean and all that kind of stuff and then you land in australia and everyone speaks english and they use dollars and it's like oh no why is this place yeah so familiar
0: they have such a conflicted relationship with their own people as well don't they
1: that's it yeah Mm. it's a
0: shame Radio (laughs) Tumbleweed on that note. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's a shame. Uh, shame I don't know why they don't want to be a republic more, but um, there's not too much of a push for that, but hopefully
0: they'll do that and
1: and then give uh, the appropriate people their say as well.
0: What is Radio Tumbleweed about? It's a refrain of home and away... Uh, in the middle of it which you repeat which makes me think of the show which is obviously what a lot of Irish people will associate with yes. uh, Australia. I don't know is that
1: why? <laughs> they will no and the Home and Away in the song refers to um, Home and Away uh, matches like football matches oh, okay. but when there is a little easter egg because when I was singing I was like oh damn this sounds a bit like Home and Away. So the last time that I, I think I sing the words Home and Away maybe like 10 times but i think the last time i sing it i actually sing it just like the home and away <laughs> in the thing just as a little uh, yeah i think I'm like on the cut of that i think i did it joking and then i laughed on the recording and then i just decided to keep it in because it cracked <laughs> me up so much but it wasn't actually supposed to be the tv show but now i'm gonna get sued by the tv show <laughs>
0: I didn't realize just how much Australia is reflected in the album, like in the lyrics as well.
1: Yeah, well, I guess that was just, that's where I was. But that was an accident, I swear. <laughs> that's Radio Tumbleweed, yeah. The Radio Tumbleweed in the actual song, I guess, refers to um, a song by The Doors, which I, um, which I either get the title wrong or did it on purpose so I don't get sued. The Doors song is Riders on the Storm, and I call it Riders on Ass Storm because I'm an idiot. Yeah, I even dissed The Doors. This is my new, uh, I'm talking about all my pre, my historic beefs, but my new one is with Jim Morrison.
0: Uh, Band that I've never gotten really, The Doors. I don't see the, I don't really get the appeal that much.
1: No, never did. (laughs) And that's why. I I don't know why I I suddenly, they've never bothered me too much either, but I guess, um, yeah. Because I do have a problem with them, after all.
0: Nudity is one of the singles on the album. You say in the press release, it's a G-rated ditty about being given a new lease of life after a particularly terrifying episode. It's also about that moment in your thirties when it suddenly hits just how ancient you've become, but still trying to treat life as the as the weird novelty that it is. I guess we've talked about the aging, yeah. Part well, that, of things. that
1: song is really, yeah. That song is specifically about that. I guess. Well, I gotta mention too this song has clarinets all over it um which were not part of the original recording so what happened was Brandon Jenkinson and this is where i need to give him a shout ah. out Brandon Jenkinson mixed the album um you know he was a member of Cloud Castle Lake and we um i guess we rehearsed next door to each other back in the day um the Monster Club and Castle Lake and, and and we were friends but i've always wanted to to do something with uh, Brandon and this was my opportunity for that so he mixed this album but when he sent me back the mixes he had just you know picked up the clarinet that was sitting beside him and jammed clarinet on a few of the songs and uh, it's just so good and it i can't imagine this song in particular like without the clarinets they come in i think in the second verse in particular and then in, in the end bit but like it's a rare one where i'm able to actually even though it's a song that that i made when I listen to him, I'm like, oh, my God, that sounds really good. But because I'm uh, marveling at Brendan's gorgeous clarinet lines, that really um, took that one up to the next level, I think.
0: I didn't realize he had mixed the album. He's kind of making a name for himself in the past couple of years, having worked with John Francis Flynn almost as a collaborator. Yeah. It sounds like like e. Vanessa Francis as well. I think that yeah. you did. Yeah, same. Keo. On... Oh, yeah, and... yeah. Uh, it sounds like he's becoming uh, quite the collaborator. So yeah. it's nice to work with him and just see, just get a different perspective or view on on the album i'm guessing
1: that's it and i feel like yeah i like to do that too where for years i mixed everything myself and then mark chester mixed um a couple of no monster club albums and things like that but in the past couple of years it's been nice to um we got daniel fox from Gilliband to mix the no monster club album last year Fikra mccarty mixed the first sir bobby jukebox album and and now brandon has done this one so it's nice to yeah have that uh, especially when you're recording everything like yourself and you're the only person who's hearing this stuff and everything to send it to someone else to kind of get that fresh set of ears and also you know they all come at it with their own completely different angle then hearing the results of it i feel like you're able to enjoy your own album a lot more mm-hmm. if someone else has mixed it too because you do like they, they're able to do it in a way that you know yeah. they put their stamp on it too
0: you're in too deep to kind of see it yeah yeah no fly zone i love the i, I don't know what it is the kind of the synth brass sound that kind of makes up the melody at the start the da, 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 da.
1: yeah that's yeah that's the synth brass um
0: that kind of sounds like it's the key to the track uh yeah well, i don't know is is that something where you come up with that sound i don't know is it i'm presuming it's you's coming up with it rather than maybe brendan but does that kind of dictate how the rest of the track kind of works you just have this idea that you want to build it around this kind of sound
1: i think that bit that you're referencing was probably put in afterwards but by, by me as an overdub i don't know if that was even the the oh, center okay. point of the track the center point of the, the first thing that probably came in that song was probably the melody of the chorus why don't you leave me alone and probably the baseline um of that yeah this song is the only song on the album this is the one that gets it the O rating because we're talking about so nudity even though I, I felt a bit weird putting in a song called that because it sounds a bit dirty but um, yes it's, it's entirely G rated whereas this one has an F-bomb oh. and I decided it was worth it um,
0: <laughs> something that you have to keep in mind now after making the the podcast oh <laughs> <well>. yeah, <laughs> no, no F-bombs allowed two different worlds yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, so this song No Fly Zone is a is my another beef this time. It's not with Jim Morrison, but it's with the blue bottles of Dublin um who torment me every day. I just hate them so much. So No Fly Zone is is uh yeah, I'm singing to a blue bottle who has just interrupted my recording process and bothering the cat, bothering me. Oh. Um
0: Railing Against Nature, so that's another theme of the album. Railing oh, against the magpies I of Australia and the blue bottles of uh of Dublin. <laughs>
1: yeah so that's why i sacrifice my um the g rating of the album to tell the fly you sound like a fucked stylophone um, and then i introduced some stylophone <laughs> let's not speak of the man who sold stylophones who has just died Why don't you leave me alone? Instead of bothering me and my advice why? Don't-
0: ultimate song he's saying can we please do away with the eight hour day and this way of life isn't ideal i'm guessing this is talking about the distractions for music the real life distractions i mean you talked earlier about working in australia for a coffee app company i'm guessing is, is am i right roughly speaking about what what the what the song is about that you wish that it was just like you're just able to focus on the music maybe
1: it's probably a bit of that, yeah. It's more um as well. Just there's some stuff in there's some stu- elements in there of like this screwy that you know this the you know the housing crisis and and all that kind of stuff and um there's a snide line too. You know the people say, oh, the this is the the participation medal generation and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, well, you know what? Maybe we all deserve a medal. <laughs> Oh, fuck yourself <laughs> um nothing wrong with that and yeah especially i guess after the past couple of years which were for for everybody i'm not this yeah so yeah this isn't uh this isn't me with my bleeding heart for myself this is kind of this is my um we are the world
0: <laughs> yeah i mean you mentioned it earlier they're not all personal songs are kind of like taking on roles of characters and stuff like that are they yeah maybe this track is one of one of those ones as well
1: it, yeah. Well, I mean, the name of the, you know, the artist's name is Sir Bobby Jukebox, and that um, whether or not that's me, I'm not sure. But,
0: oh, <laughs> no. the persona yeah. putting on oh. a different kind of a hat.
1: Yeah, um, and the name is more just. Do you know those all those honorifics? I think are just so absurd. And the Sir one, you know, whether it's like a a knight or a feudal lord or a teacher in school who insists on being called Sir. I just find it all very pathetic, which is why I wanted to call myself that. And it's like, oh, these guys probably think that they've you know, earned these titles after working for years to impress somebody and then they've been granted this title. It's like, I'm just going to take it. You link.
0: And finally, In the Nettles, which again is kind of a nursery rhyme type uh, feel to it. Uh, do you want to tell me about this song, the final song?
1: This weirdly mentions, has some sort of a nautical theme to it, which the last song on last year's no monster club album was called walk the plank and i only realized this in hindsight i don't know why the the last song on my albums i think that generally tends to be an element of like movement like now it's like now it's time to go now the album's done now it's time to go i don't know go where or what i don't know into the sea or like um
0: i guess one of the lines that jumps out of me it's kind of like a song of longing almost you say the key to living your life is just beyond the sea it's like just yeah out of reach it almost made me think of the truman show just to bring it around to another type of film yeah spoiler alert for the truman <laughs> Jeez. anyone who hasn't seen <laughs> it yet you gotta check this film out
1: i guess if it's just beyond the sea you're never never gonna get there the, the lyrics are abstract enough they make sense to me but almost in a way that i'm like i don't feel entirely comfortable like Pointing like each line and being like that's what that is and that's what that is the only one i not i wish because it's timeless there's a there's a lyric uh i'd be a wannabe and you'd be my only fan that's uh, only afterwards i was like oh the only fans this like but you know hopefully (laughs) this (laughs) this song will live on and beyond only fans who knows (laughs) but uh, only only when i got the masters back i was like oh that sounds like only fans that's weird um yeah nothing wrong with that but I, I i don't have one maybe i should set one up maybe that's where i'll get I won't my no, you music, know. musical income
0: yeah. yeah um this is your 22nd album 23rd uh, it's something like that yeah and how do you feel about it
1: i really like this album and i feel like i've had enough time to sit on it because it was recorded between it was recorded between 2019 and 2022 so and then it was like mixed and mastered last year so there has been a bit of distance between you know it's not as fresh uh, on my mind as, as some stuff that i've recorded and released you know shortly afterwards i think i think it's good but like obviously i do but i do sometimes listen back to like old songs and stuff i'm like what the hell is that and then other times i listen back to some old songs and i'm like wow this is this is okay i feel like this album is it's its own thing i don't think there. I don't think it fits in with then this is where I'm going to have some trouble with it or you know already am or whatever but it's not um nothing that I've ever made is is you know going to be everyone's cup of tea or even very many people's cup of tea and I think if you like this you will like you know you'll either love it or you hate it that's what I've kind of found over the years is that like you know, to be honest, I have a very small fan base, but I do find that the people there's there's a certain amount of people who kind of buy everything that I do and they're like scattered all across the globe. So I can never do like a gig just, you know, for the diehards or whatever. But um I do I think that my music appeals to a certain type of person, but it definitely doesn't fit in with the established music mm. scene. And And you're um, okay with that? I guess I I guess I have to be because I'm just like it's 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 been I don't say frustrating, but it's like you know every every time you record an album, you're like, oh, this sounds you know this sounds really good. Maybe this will be, not this will like you know be my breakthrough album or anything like that. But like you know, hell, maybe maybe Stereo Gum will post about it or you know I don't know, and they never do. And uh, <laughs> you know I, I I I would like to be legitimized almost with like a Pitchfork review, even if it was like you know one point four. And it was the video from the jet album of the gorilla piston in his mouth or something. I wouldn't even mind that. It's like it's it's worse to be like ignored, I think. It feels weird. And I would actually love a lot of like bad reviews over no reviews at all. Sorry, to go back to your question. I really like this album. And if you do too, well then great. But uh, Yeah, I think it's great. Oh, I think yeah. it
0: sounds really, really good. Thank and you. it sounds like you've got Nero's class, season two, is gonna take up the next chunk of time, have you thought musically? About what's next? Is it just like eventually there'll be another No Monster Club album? Eventually there'll be album number three from Sir Bobby Duke Box.
1: Yeah, I guess I will be the rest of this year, will be Nero's Class pretty much because um this album comes out this week and Nero's Class season two will probably be next February. So oh, between wow. now yeah. and then, will probably be a lot of work on that. Um, and it'll probably, the baton will probably go back now to No Monster Club and hopefully we can hammer it a bit of time own who drums and no monster club now has uh, a place in the countryside with a bit of space so and um, hopefully we can get some time to go down there and do the bally Bunion thing <laughs> great um, great
0: cool nice one thanks for chatting to the album thank Best you of so luck much <laughs>